Welcome to Managed Care Cast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Maggie Shaw, Associate Editor at the American Journal of Managed Care. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and today we are speaking with Kirby Lewis, who received a diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer in 2016. At diagnosis, approximately 6% of breast cancers are metastatic, which, although treatable, is not curable. And overall, men with breast cancer comprise less than 1% of all patients with the disease. Kirby is one of nine patients with metastatic breast cancer, the most advanced stage of breast cancer, representing the Facing MBC Together campaign from Athenix Oncology. We asked Kirby about remaining optimistic in the face of a third cancer diagnosis, encouraging other men to get tested for a genetic predisposition and seeking support within a cancer care community. So you have faced cancer three times. How do you remain so optimistic? For me, honestly, it's my spiritualness. My spirituality, I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that, to be honest. I, 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 was, I, I don't know if I have a unique quality for being a guy with breast cancer. I don't know if that makes a different perspective. I'm assuming it does. And then also my experiences, my personal experiences that I've had um, that probably attribute to how uh, you deal with things. I was a a mortician embalmer for a number of years. So you, I don't want to say you get immune to death because you don't. but you understand it, that it's part of the process. So for me, um, I was initially diagnosed in 2012 uh, with stage two, and then I had recurrence in 2016. And when it recurred, um, my breast cancer had metastasized into both lungs and into my spine. Um, but in both instances, um, it just resonated more loudly and stronger uh, with my faith and my belief in God. And, uh, And I tend to be a pretty upbeat and optimistic person. Um, I try to look at the sunny side of things and I, my perspective all along has been Uh, that we don't really get to choose or pick things the way we would like things to be in our life. We, we are dealt this hand and what really matters is how we live it. And I think the combination of those things, my faith and, uh, being an optimist and being a realist and, um, experiences, like I said, with different jobs and things, I, I was in the military and you realize uh, when you're in combat, how precious life is there. And so I think that all of those things kind of mesh together, make it easier for me uh, to cope with. Well, I don't choose to be a glum person. I don't choose to be doom and gloom. I don't choose to be uh, a pessimist. I don't choose to be negative, you know? I, I choose to be an upbeat, positive person, and and it resonated very loudly when my when we received my diagnosis, 
uh, in 2016 that it had metastasized. I don't want to jump right into the next question and seem cold. You're, you're not. I, I, you're fine. Being a male with breast cancer, you called yourself a duck out of water. How yes. does facing NBC together help patients in similar situations? And to those who don't think they need to get tested for a genetic predisposition, what would you say? Well, initially I did feel very much like a duck out of water. Um, because I didn't understand the dynamics of uh, the breast cancer and how it responds. Uh, it's not so much that, the, uh, that I felt confused about my anatomy, because I didn't. I know that men have breasts, um, you know, just like women. Um, a lot of times men in the machismo uh, attitude that is associated frequently with men, of course, uh, they tend to call their chest uh, or breast a chest or their pecs. Uh, but when it comes right down, anatomically speaking, of course, they are breasts. So I knew that, and that part didn't uh, confuse me or anything. Um, and I've actually had had uh, a friend of mine who had had breast cancer, a male that had, it was a friend of our family's, and he had had breast cancer. Um, so the issue for me was uh, was to be a voice to um, basically let everybody know that men have breasts, that men get breast cancer, and um, and that was what I initially focused on. Was I sounded like a you know a recording walking around saying, you know, men have breasts and men can get breast cancer too. And um, so that was what I initially focused on. And I say initially, be, but, but uh, because early on in my, uh, after I'd had recurrence, um, I realized uh, through a uh, sequence of events that that wasn't where I needed to focus my advocacy. That, that wasn't where I needed to be a voice. Um, what I needed to do was uh, be a voice about DNA and genetics and the susceptibility of men getting it through DNA gene sequence um, just like women get it. And what happened was I had a friend of mine I was interviewing that I had met on the adventure trail is what I call this. Um, and, and I met this lady in Philadelphia at uh, an LBBC conference, a Living Beyond Breast Cancer conference. And I asked her, did you know about breast cancer and men? And she said, well, she knew about that. And I said, well, what have you done in your family to bring awareness to the males. And she said, you know, that's an interesting question. And it's never been, it was never one that I actually thought about until right now talking to you. And she said, and it, even more importantly, she said, I realize I have to go home. I have two sons and I have to go home to my sons and tell them, hey, you know what? You need to be tested because Mama's got breast cancer, and maybe 
you guys might get it. So my focus shifted at that point. I thought, you know, this is this was kind of that aha moment and uh, for me. And so my focus shifted from expounding upon the fact that men have breasts and men get breast cancer to an even deeper aspect, and that is, is yes, we got breasts, we got breast, we get breast cancer. But did you know that women, that you're that you don't have to be concerned just with your daughters, you have to be concerned about your sons as well. I, I realize that, but um, it's just not a yes or no answer. I can't just say, well, this happened and that's it. What words of encouragement can you give to other patients who have metastatic breast cancer? It's not a death sentence. You know, I have met so many people that um, that are very positive, that you know they're they're eager to live their life, and I would say that the, of the people that have other people that have metastatic breast cancer, and I would say that that's what's important. I, that's a real value of uh, having this disease is that you realize that you still have a fantastic opportunity to live your life and to live it a little more forward maybe than what you have in the past uh, because of the understanding that, hey, uh, as of right now, with the current medical situation and being what it is, that you will die with metastatic breast cancer. You may not die because of it, or you may die because of it, but you will die with it. Uh, so uh, it, it, I think that... Um, my words of encouragement are to just love living life, you know, enjoy it. Take each day and, and accept it that you're still here and don't focus on the fact that, hey, I may be gone tomorrow. Because guess what? When you Before you had your NBC diagnosis, you may have been gone tomorrow anyway. You, I mean, life is uncertain. And that is the reality. And by being smacked in the face with NBC diagnosis, it is very, it's a very loud reality because we don't know when, um, you know, when that infection that we get through a cold or a, a flu or um, a, a stuffed toenail or, or ingrown toenail or something like that is going to be life-threatening. And it can be with NBC because of our immune systems being so diminished. So, you know, you just have to... Uh, you just have to live and enjoy the day, and don't. It's, I know it's easily said, and it's sometimes it's for some people, especially, it is very difficult to do. But I, I will. I'll share with you a story about a lady that I met. She had uh, five children, all under the age of six, and she said, "Oh, I, I'm I'm proud of the fact that I've prepared my five children." Um, they all know that mommy has this disease and that I'm going to die. And uh, she says, I, you know, we go over everything, and this is why we're doing this. And I, I want, you, I want you to remember mommy for, you know, doing these things and this. And I said, you know, what if you live for 20 or 30 years, which is a very real possibility now, with medicines. And what if you live for 20 or 30 years and 
your, your children come home every day from school wondering if this is the day that mommy dies. I said, to me, that would be devastating. And I said, to, what is most important is to come home every day and say, oh, what, what are we going to do today? Because mommy makes such good memories. And I think that's so much more valuable. It's okay to let them know the reality of it, but I think it's so much better if you focus on living. And I think that that story there underscores why it's so important. Because what a terrible burden to put on the psychology of your children at such a young age that mommy's going to die. Well, guess what? Mommy was going to die anyway. So that's my, my spin on it. For someone facing an MBC diagnosis, what are some steps they can take to seek support especially if they find it hard to ask others or to let them know they even have cancer? Stay off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't become an internet doctor? No. no. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, the best thing really is our, uh, our support groups and to talk to... Yes, it's good to talk to your friends and your family, but honestly... They um, have a very skewed perspective. Uh, and it, even though they may have good intentions, if this is the first time they've ever had to deal with someone close to them, um, the chances are probably pretty good that they're going to say some things that are not going to be correct, that are not going to be accurate, and it may even be... Um, harmful to you as the patient, um, psychologically, uh, possibly uh, if they give you misdirection as far as where to turn, what kind of treatments or how to go about that. So my recommendation honestly would be um, to, if I was diagnosed with NBC, uh, the first thing that I would do is I would contact a good, reputable uh, organization. I like Living Beyond Breast Cancer. I like Metaviber. Um, and both of those organizations can give you good direction as far as where to turn to and, and seek help. But uh, you get an organization like that um, that has experience, that have counselors, that have a helpline, and, and you go from there. And maybe you don't like speaking to uh, others about it. I, I understand what the you know, the Hispanics um, have a real difficult uh, time sharing uh, about their personal health. Um, and, and it's just part of their legacy, part of their uh, heritage. And I understand that because they're supposed to be strong women, you know. Uh, but uh, being strong is not a physical attribute. Being strong is asking for help is realizing that you need help and, and stepping forward and saying, you know what, I need help to get through this. And so that's what uh, my recommendation is, is don't ignore the fact that you're in this alone because you're not. Don't think that you are. 
ask for help. There's a lot of people. You'd be surprised at how many people are just so willing to talk to you. And not just to talk to you for 10 minutes or 15, but they're saying, hey, give me a call every day and check in with us. You know, we want to, we understand, we know what's going on and we want to be a participant. We want to help you uh, learn how to cope with the emotions you're going through. And even though it may not be exactly the same, the chances are that there's going to be a lot of commonalities there. And that doesn't matter if you're a female or a male. Now, my final question, what about facing NBC together drew you to it? And how do you feel being a face of this campaign? Was it hard to put yourself out there? Um, if I had, if this had been the first time for me being uh, the face of the campaign, it may be. Um, but again, my personal decision to be as involved as I am and have a strong desire to want to help came almost immediately because of a number of issues. One of the first things that happened to me when I, back in 2012, and I guess this stays with me, uh, obviously, um, this stays with me, but the first thing that happened to me when I found my lump, I went to the doctor and I says, I want to be tested. I think I have breast cancer. He says, oh no, you don't. Men don't get breast cancer. Fact is I got rid of him right after I, it was confirmed that I did have breast cancer. Um, but it became the catalyst for me to try to help educate people. In life, um, we are given some amazing gifts, I believe, from God. One, the first gift is life. And the second gift that is with us most in our entire life is the ability to share. We are the only species on earth that has the ability to share. We share knowledge, we share love, we share a home, we share a relationship, we share our experiences, good and bad, we share. For me, that it was just like a, a, a requirement of... A, a, it was this burning desire that I had to share this information, that I had to pass it on in hopes that I could help somebody, in hopes that I could make a difference somehow. It's not because I want any fame or glory, and the last thing I ever wanted in life was to be to have fame or glory for breast cancer. But it is what it is. And like I said from the beginning, we don't get to pick and choose what we have in life. We only get to learn how to deal with it, how to live with it. But that's the key word, how to live with it. And for me, I think you have to learn how to live and love living life. You can't see me right now, but I'm really smiling. <laughs> Good. I wanted to thank you so much for speaking to me today. Well, thank you, Maggie, for asking me. To learn more about breast cancer, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes.
And to get in touch with us, you can email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.